Whether concocted or not by G7 leaders, the COVID pandemic has presented an unprecedented opportunity for power-hungry Western governments, Marxist, big business, big pharma, big tech, and corrupt media. They're all in this together. In pursuit of zero COVID, wealthy politicians have enacted emergency laws, instituted arbitrary and widespread lockdowns, and imposed unsupportable medical mandates. Instead of saving lives, governments have destroyed lives, put public health at risk, and globally have demolished millions of small businesses. While Western governments have done the unimaginable and snatched away fundamental freedoms, including free speech, there's been no scrutiny from most of the media, including from the so-called conservative commentators. These governments will not admit to zero COVID or COVID elimination strategies. They speak of COVID suppression with a promise of reinstituting freedoms under coercive mass vaccination programs. Zero COVID, pre-COVID normal mass vaccination with boosters sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Thomas Renz is the lead attorney in several major cases throughout the US against the CDC and the US Department of Health and Human Services regarding COVID-19 lockdowns, mask mandates, business closures, false PCR data, fraudulent death numbers and more. Attorney Thomas Renz works with and represents America's frontline doctors, Make Americans Free Again, and Ohio stands up. A government-related computer programmer who works in healthcare data analytics believes there are at least 45,000 vaccine-related deaths in the US. Thomas Renz is the attorney moving forward on these startling revelations. First of all, Thomas, great to see you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You're involved in a number of important legal cases, such as the one we just mentioned. Can you briefly discuss the nature of this case and other cases, their status, and how winning these cases could force change? Well, you know, the thing about these cases is we're going to eventually get access to what we call in America discovery. Discovery is where we get to see the other side's evidence and data, not what they say in front of the press when they can lie, but what, what their actual data is and their real information. And yet the universal thread for all of these lawsuits that we have is the data is key. We want the real information, not the whitewashed information given by the government to the people after they've decided what we should and shouldn't hear. We want the real information. So you know, one of the most important aspects of this case and all the other cases is that discovery aspect. Um, but the cases are really about varying aspects of what's happened. Uh, is it legal or constitutional in the U.S. to lock people down? What authority does the government have to do this? Isn't it unconstitutional for some of these actions to be taken? And uh, the same with, uh, with this vaccine, the, you know, the latest case being about the vaccine. And we're asking these questions. We're saying, you know, was this vaccine something that should have been authorized? You know, we know now that COVID has a, a very, very, very low fatality rate, very low. And we know that it's roughly as dangerous as the seasonal flu. We also know that in the United States, they lied about the number of deaths. They changed the way that they were counted for COVID while keeping it the same for everything else. And so, you know, the numbers of, de the numbers of dead were 
primarily from people who are miscategorized. So, and this has happened elsewhere in, in many other countries, you know, the misinformation campaign that's been propagated by the, this cabal of people is, is one that's been done globally. It's happening in the U.S. It's certainly happened elsewhere. And uh, we're, we're fighting against that. We're, we're praying to God for that we can uh, you know, really have an impact and, and get the, the truth out there and free our world. We were talking before off camera, and I said we mustn't lose all this great information. We're talking about how America is the, the beacon of freedom in the Western world, in fact, the whole world. Uh, it, to me, I spent half my life in the U.S., and it's a, um, I love the attitude, the can-do attitude, the fairness attitude. Sure, it wasn't perfect, but uh, it was, you had hope. Um, to me, I see that at the moment, that it's the individual hope or desires has been replaced by government wishes or mandates. What's happened to America, and in particular governments, during COVID-19? Well, you have to understand that there's been an incredible propaganda campaign. And the propaganda campaign is certainly about COVID, but it's also about division. If you look in America, what's happened? And I don't know how much news has made it to Australia about the last year or so in America, but we had huge protests, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, things like that, that were occurring. Uh, we had, you know, huge uh, constitutional issues related to the COVID lockdowns and all these things. We had huge issues related to our election. And all of these things were happening at the same time. And meanwhile, uh, we were in the news and, and through these people and their organizations, they've pitted Americans against Americans. And they've done it in a very insidious way. Uh, if you don't, if you're not uh, a part of Black Lives Matter, you must think that black lives don't matter. Uh, if you don't believe uh, that Trump is still president, then you've been brainwashed. If you do believe that the election was fair, you're a moron. Uh, so we've heard all this, right? Here's the thing. I don't have to take a position on any of these. I can tell you this. One thing that is universal is whether it's Black Lives Matters or the most conservative pro-Trump group in the country, there is one thing they have in common. They believe in freedom. And what we've done is it used to be that we could agree that freedom and equality were, were fundamental to our nation, and we were united on that. And, you know, we may disagree or differ on how we get to freedom. We may even disagree a little bit on what it means. But we never thought that you were evil because you disagreed on the method. As long as we could all agree on freedom, we were good. Well, we've, we've, there's been a lot of institutions and organizations and, and bad guys, essentially, that don't like freedom. And the best way to undermine it is to convince people with, uh, to fight amongst themselves. A house divided cannot stand. So what we've seen now is, well, if you don't believe in, in fighting for freedom my way, you must be evil. And there's, they've been very successful in that in America. And they're destroying the united aspect of the United States. And it's weakened us, frankly, in a massive, massive way. It's been a very successful campaign. It's been, it's been waged through lies, through uh, misleading information, through censorship, and through a number of other things. But all of it is for the same purpose, and that's to undermine the strength and the freedom that America stands for. It's a, an amazing effort from uh, those that are 
perpetrating such, and I call them crimes against humanity. It's not just the US, it's uh, the UK, uh, Europe, but although there is a, uh, there is a great disapproval against the, uh, the, the, the measures there now, except in France, which Macron is trying to uh, push through. We have uh, New Zealand. Uh, the Prime Minister said, do not believe anybody else except us. Uh, then we have in Australia, which uh, uh, Dan Bongino, Bongino said, uh, basically, once a penal colony, always a penal colony. So this 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 effort between all nations uh, or the governments of those nations, big tech and big pharma, it's pretty coordinated. And then they use the media as their arm for propaganda. And um, that's just very, very effective, isn't it? Well, it's been incredibly effective. I mean, look at look at what we have. I mean, we have millions of people ready to put a, a mask over their face, mm. willing to lock themselves in their house, you know, willing to forego seeing loved ones and spending time with family mm. members, uh, people willing to say, stay away from me, you didn't take this experimental jab. And it's been very effective. Uh, fear is a very, very powerful motivator. And that's well known. They've been studying the use of fear to manipulate the public for 50 years. I mean, this is a a well-known tactic in public health. Mm. But I got to tell you, here's what I know for sure. The bad guys in any tyrannical government or oppressive regime, they fear the power of the people. And they may call you a penal colony in Australia. But guess what? If the penal colony uh, rises up and says no, well, they're going to have troubles. That small handful of people that run the government, they only govern with the consent of the governed. And I'm not suggesting revolution. I'm not suggesting Mm. violence. I'm suggesting peaceful resistance on a massive scale, massive scale, like Martin Luther King, like Mahatma Gandhi. These people changed the world. They fought without being violent, without, uh, you know, there was no insurrection. There was peaceful resistance and it worked. And it was incredible. We need that on a global scale right now. There has to be resistance. And we can't do, we can't accept no for an answer. We, the free people of this world, we, the people of this world, we control our governments, we control our lives, we control our bodies. And if we allow the governments to control us, well, then shame on us. But governments are now, you know, they're, they're ramping up all their, uh, their threats and it's all on steroids, basically, threatening to take a harder line on vaccines. Governor Cuomo, there's a great governor, uh, has threatened to put people in cars and enforce vaccination. Uh, President Biden was intending to send people door to door to administer vaccines. <laughs> Would this be legal? No, it's not even sort of legal. I mean, it's not even in the realm of legal. And, you know, we'll keep suing everybody we can because that's what we do. But, you know, at the meantime, there's only I do think there are limits to what the American people will tolerate. Uh, I don't think door to door forced vaccination will happen in the U.S. I think that there would be I think there'd be an uprising, frankly. Uh, I just don't I don't think that will work. Uh, thank God we have the Second Amendment here, uh, mm. you know, and I think that's something that's really always been a great protection for freedom in the United States. Uh, but you know, ultimately, what we have to do is we, the people of the world, have to unite in in spreading the message. 
Okay, we've got to get the word out. We have to communicate. We cannot have censorship. Uh, we've got to have free speech, free communication, because but for the lies put forth by our governments and by their, their, these cronies that they have uh, in the pharmaceutical industries and elsewhere, but for those lies, uh, none of this is happening. We've got to get the truth out. I mean, we know that COVID has a 0% statistical chance of death in people under 30 in the United States. We know that because the CDC, despite the fact that they lie about everything, uh, their statistics show it. Zero statistical mm. percent chance of risk. Why would you take in a vaccine, an experimental vaccine, why would you allow someone to experiment on your children when it has an absolute risk reduction of 1% and your children are at no risk of COVID-19? Uh, it's just mm. it's just unbelievable. I find it also uh, very distressing, and um, I, I, I try to uh, go through the various stages and justifications, but I can't come up with a, a logical or a, um, a, a kind answer. I mean, we have early tricked. You have 600,000 supposedly deaths from COVID, but you could have eliminated about 85% of those deaths if you used early treatment. And the pushback from early treatment was just, I mean, look at, look at Dr. Peter McCullough of uh, Dr. Pierre Corey and all those, they had the evidence that it worked. But even if it didn't work, why wouldn't they at least try it to save people's lives? Well, they don't, right? I mean, so in the U.S., yeah. what they do is once you're diagnosed with COVID, the hospital or the doctor gets more money, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you have is a massive number of people who had the flu or other diseases that they diagnosed as COVID. And mm. the reason that they were able to do that, and this is, I think, a fairly global thing, is that COVID is a disease. It's caused by a virus. The virus is SARS-CoV-2, but COVID-19, the disease, is just a collection of symptoms. Well, those symptoms are so broadly defined that you can diagnose COVID with, even though it's you know far more likely to be any of a number of other diseases. So what they've done is they've incentivized, and in the U.S., they even outright said, diagnose it as COVID. And mm. so they've incentivized this, so people get diagnosed with COVID. Well, once you're diagnosed with COVID, the hospital gets more money, and you don't get treatment. You don't get treatment because they say, well, there's no approved treatment. And the only thing they'll give you is remdesivir, which is a very dangerous drug. It destroys your kidneys and actually was thrown out of trials in, in years past because it was so dangerous. So you get no treatment except for a dangerous drug, and you lay there in the hospital. You lay there until you are sick enough to go to the hospital. Uh, once you go to the hospital, there's another incentive because they get more money when you're hospitalized with COVID. Mm. And then once you're once you're laying there in the hospital again, not being treated, they uh, they get more money when they put you on the ventilator. So they allow you to deteriorate further until you're on a ventilator. Well, once you're on a ventilator, you're probably going to die which is good for the hospital because then they make more money again when you die from COVID. So they've really incentivized every step of this process to ensure that the hospitals do everything they can to kill people. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, it's sick beyond words. I mean, this is a horrible, horrible crime against humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's occurred with intent. 
What about the numerous, um, I mean, getting to the vaccines, the hysteria, the numerous educational colleges that are mandating vaccinations. Uh, do students objecting have no alternative but to sue? You know, it, it's a tricky question. Uh, part of it depends on what state you're in. Um, I think that there, for colleges that receive state or federal funding, I think that there's some real issues with them mandating it. I know that we have at least one pretty good suit here in the U.S. against a college who's trying to mandate. We'll see what happens. I don't know how that's going to come out. Um, I would argue and believe that that suit is correct, that it's illegal to mandate it. If not, it sure ought to be. But I think that before we even get to that suit, the vaccine that they're mandating is illegal anyways. They mm. didn't have the authority to, to authorize this. So in the United States, these vaccines aren't actually approved. Okay, they're, they're only authorized, and there's a difference. For approval, there has to be this, this process by which there's these studies and everything else. And they're trying to skip as many of those and bypass as many of those as possible. But for authorization, it's an easier process. So what they did was they declared an emergency that didn't exist and said, we have to give these emergency use authorizations to these vaccines so that they can save all these people. Well, except for here's the thing. You know, now they're telling Americans that these vaccines that are so helpful don't matter and that you need to wear a mask and probably get a booster shot and they probably aren't going to affect uh, the variants. So the question is, why did you get it? Why did you let yourself be experimented on? And why should you believe that the next booster is going to get rid of your mask? It's not. Mm. And P.S., a vaccination by definition is something that inoculates you against illness, Right. Mm. If you have a if you have a, a tetanus vaccine, you can't get tetanus, right? Well, why is it that you have a COVID vaccine, and you're more likely to get COVID? I mean, we just saw the well, the British uh, aircraft carrier. The report came out today, and I'm trying to get it verified that they had 100% vaccination rate, and they have the highest uh, the highest. Uh, percentage of people who now have COVID on record in any isolated population. Mm. Well, they're all vaccinated. How could that be? I thought it was the unvaxxed that were causing the problem. You know, this isn't complicated, but the question that really underlies all this is, are we going to stand for this? Are we the people of the world going to stand aside and allow our freedoms to be taken away for obvious lies? Are we going to let them inject this into our children? Are we going to let them allow them to to kill our children, to kill our seniors, to kill our families? Are we going to stand for this, or are we going to say no? The government, whether it's uh, U.S. or anywhere, has an enormous amount of power of uh, of terror, uh, compliance by fear. Um, uh, Handbook one hundred and one: How to control a population, uh, Chinese style, you know, uh, communist style. The People, you know, we talked about propaganda before and they they see all these commercials and they hear all these celebrities who are, have become medical experts overnight um, and the medical experts have become just nothing. But the the consent form, when, when I just, I mean, an experimental drug, you sign a consent form, it says you're fully informed and then you get this, 
experimental vaccine or drug, not a vaccine, because it's not a vaccine. So the consent form itself is misleading, isn't it? Because you haven't been fully informed because the censorship that's in place at the moment, the, the only narrative, and you should never use narrative in science anyway, but the only narrative is, is the, it's safe. It's good for you. You can travel. You can, you can go into McDonald's or something or Walmart. I mean, it's, it's nuts, but the, you know, being a lawyer, I mean, they haven't really had informed consent. So does that open up a can of worms? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, you know, here's what you got to understand. Uh, we've taken the position in our lawsuits, well, we've taken a lot of positions, but one of them related to informed consent is this. In the United States, the government has 12 mechanisms by which they collect information related to vaccine injuries and deaths. They've only made one public and that one is the VAERS system. And mm -hmm. we know there's been a study that only 1% to 10% of the actual injuries and deaths are reported in VAERS. And we also know that they are a minimum of two months behind at VAERS. They're suppressing this. They're suppressing this information. We know for a fact that the number of dead and injured is far, far higher than what they, they're willing to share. But ultimately, the problem is, is they're covering it up. So here's the wonderful thing, right? I'm going to tell the bad guys of the globe how to discredit me right now. All you have to do is make the data public in its raw form and let the people analyze it. If what you're saying, if what the bad guys are saying here is true, all they have to do is show the raw data, not the manipulated data, not the data that they covered up or lied about, the raw data. I want to see the raw data of how many people have been injured and dead. I want independent analysts to be able to look at this and to figure it out and to tell me the truth. Once we've done that, if I'm wrong, well, they'll have discredited me and I can go away and you never have to hear from me again. But if I'm right, well, that would change things, wouldn't it? And here's it the thing. If you have nothing to hide, why are you hiding it? If it's safe, why are the indemnities in place too? If it's safe, very much. Uh, but the I mean, I, I look at uh, all, all the um, this um, hysteria over the uh, the use of the vaccines um, and the numbers that have died. It's just been uh, even even looking at the, uh, the the figures at the moment. I think nine thousand plus have passed away because of supposedly the vaccine if you were doing a trial and which this is and you had between 25 and 50 pass away because of the effects of the stuff you're putting in your body that would have been halted immediately yet just in the u.s alone looking at those figures which have been throttled we believe it's you've got t you know, nine ten thousand deaths extrapolate that around the world, you've got a, a massive failure already on a trial that should never be, uh, never have been started in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly correct. And I'll tell you that as we look at this, as we think about this, you know, look at what happened in India when they rolled out the ivermectin. Suddenly there was no more problem with COVID. Yep. And we know what to do with this disease. It's not even that dangerous. Uh, but 
instead of dealing with the disease in a way that's responsible, it's about money and power, right? It is. We need to it put is. this injection into everybody. Why? Why? Why would we want to do that? And that's what we've got to ask ourselves. You know, why are people behind this? Why are we dealing with a disease that was created in a lab in China and funded by the American taxpayer through mm -hmm. a corrupt bureaucrat named Anthony Fauci? Uh, frankly, I don't know why the people of the world aren't suing Anthony Fauci. Uh, I think that there would be a wonderful case against him anywhere on the globe. Uh, you know, this guy funded funded this, Peter Drosak, uh You know, th these people, they, they did this. They created this. Why? Why are we not deal uh, addressing that? You know, so... It's a, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible, terrible thing, and we have to fight for our freedom. And then you have the media, though. The media itself, um, I mean, all, I mean I, just a sidebar here, for example, you've got um, um, Hunter Biden. They're not going to report it, I mean, except that he's now become a great artist, uh, painting by numbers almost. So you, you have that. Then you have Anthony Fauci, and you see the media... The, and it's not just it's not just the right wing, oh, sorry, the left wing or the mainstream media. It's blending throughout almost all media, even in Australia. You see the media, they, they're they still putting him on this pedestal, saying the great Anthony Fauci, wonder should be listened to. Uh, we're a triple mask, double mask, one mask, don't wear a mask guy. Uh, so the, the, the media itself, I mean, you, you, you could come out with the most startling revelations and proof if the media and the propaganda arm don't release that information or put a really wild twist or spin on it. It's not going to come out. People aren't going to know. And the we just keep going along this path, don't we? Well, that's why this is so important, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you are one of the few journalists that has the courage to put this out there. Uh, you know, and thank God. Thank God for you. I, you know, I'm sure the the oligarchs in Australia will be quite fussy that you've done this. They won't uh, like me. You know, much like the, the, the nobility class in America is. But mm. we keep fighting. We keep pushing because this is what we have to do to protect our freedoms and to save our, our people save our mm. children, save our future. So, uh, yeah, but we, I mean, we know about the Trusted News Initiative, which was a global initiative. It wasn't mm. just in the United States. I mean, we know that uh, the uh, BBC and the Hindustan Times and others are involved in that, and I'm sure there's some Australian outlets involved. Uh, mm. yeah, these global media companies are all owned by the same billionaires who are making money off of, uh, you know, these these god-awful uh, vaccines and mm. you know, this is the problem when you have individuals who have more wealth and power than nations mm. that's an issue that's an issue no one should have more power than than nations no individual should be as powerful as a bill gates you know i mean that's just not right and if you need a case point a case study look at look at what he's doing mm. look at what people like look at what people are doing around the world when they're when people are not accountable and have that much power, they, they inevitably do terrible things. Under emergency use authorization, are the vaccine manufacturers completely indemnified against harm? And what happens to these indemnities once the vaccines are, are fully approved? Will manufacturers be required to supply more data on vaccine safety? Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to 
I'm going to tell you that first of all, I don't think that their indemnity is foolproof uh, because I do think that what they're doing is willful. And under the U.S. law, if it's willful, they're not indemnified. I'll probably be bringing suit on that soon, uh, as soon as I can. Uh, the other thing, and in terms of uh, the authorization, I think that, you know, there's been a lot of saber rattling about authorization. And I think they're dragging their feet intentionally for just the reason that you said. I think they had originally looked at doing this in June. And I think they go back and forth a little bit because once it's authorized, well, at that point, the vaccine manufacturers have to truthfully disclose the, uh, the side effects and things like that. Well, that'll be a nightmare. That'll be a disaster. Right now, the American government's hiding behind the cloak of governmental immunity to get away with saying things that are not true and that will never be true. Once this is authorized, I'm just going to point to the documentation that the, that the manufacturers are required to put out. And mm. if they don't put it out, I can sue them. Mm. So, you know, this is really something that's an interesting thing. And you know, I don't know for sure uh, what they're doing, but I do know that they're weighing this out. And I do know that there is a reason that they haven't pushed it. Uh, right now, uh, Pfizer has just asked for authorization, not approval, for, I think, 5 to 11-year-olds. Well, no 5 to 11-year-olds are dying from this. So I don't know how they could ever be authorized. And my intention is to consider suing the people who authorize it if they do, because it's both reckless and irresponsible, and I think it's a very clear violation of the law. But, mm. you know, the thing about the thing is, though, is that what are they going to do? Are they going to authorize this, or are they going to continue pushing this as an emergency? And I don't know. I don't know. There are definite downsides for them in either event. It's... Uh you know, the Chinese say, may you lead an interesting life. Um, I'm sick of using that, but it, it's very interesting at the moment. Can I just ask you, as we, as we wind this up, what drives you to do this? I mean, you're a, um, you have a successful business, you're um, leading a, a great life, and then you decide to tackle the might of the world, basically, and big pharma. I mean, it's a, a dangerous, a dangerous future for yourself. So, what drives you? Why, why, why do it? Well, I'm going to tell you the most important thing that everybody watching this can learn from this video. I'm a nobody. I don't have a big law firm. I'm not a super mm -hmm. powerful lawyer. I'm a nobody. I'm a regular guy. I live in a small town in a small state in, Ohio, in the United States. Uh, I'm not super important. But you've heard about me. And, you've, and people have heard about me. And the reason they've heard about me is not because I'm special. Uh, God has had my back for sure. You ask me my driving factors, it's God, it's family, it's country. Uh, mm. I'm a patriot. I'm a faithful person to my God, and I believe in my family. I love them. Uh, but I'm nobody important. You know, I've been elevated to a position that I probably don't deserve as a leader in this globally. And it's because I've been willing to fight. I've had the courage to say enough is enough. It's not that I'm special. And the most important thing that I can share with the people of the world, the free people of the world, is you don't have to be special. You can be nobody and still make a difference. You just have to be willing to put it on the line. You have to be willing to fight. That's what I've done. That's why you've heard of me. God's had my back. He's kept me safe so far. But the reason you've heard of me and the reason that people are, are 
willing to listen is not that I'm special, not that I'm brilliant, not that I'm powerful. It's that I'm willing to stand for something. And mm. we all have to stand for something. And I pray that we all find the strength to do it. If somebody wants to uh, find out more about Thomas Renz or how they could be part of this, how would they do that? Renz, R-E-N-Z dash law.com. Renz dash law.com. Uh, we are now, I don't know if it's released in Australia yet or not, but we have moved away from Facebook and Twitter, and we are now on a, a platform called Clout Hub, C-L-O-U-T-H-U-B. Uh, and, you know, those are the main areas that, that I'm communicating with people on. It's been a, a real pleasure, and um, I would love to be able to do this again uh, on regular occurrences, because I think you have a message, I think you're... A very good man and I think we need more of people like you a, a nobody who is somebody to all of us Thomas Renz thank you very much thank you sir